evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscar, I'm hosting today's program. I've got no idea why it's so cold in this studio today, but that's if that's my only problem, I'm a lucky boy. If you're wondering what anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on direct democratic principles. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. And why those two concepts? Very simple. Anarchy, anarchos, without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power, you share wealth. Simple concepts. You don't need a PhD to understand what anarchism is all about. And that's the beauty of being an anarchist. You don't have to go to school. It's a very simple concept. Okay, let's start off with this citizenship business. Now, I think what's happening today highlights how inadequate the Australian Constitution really is in this country. Now, in 1999, which is almost 20 years ago, I stood on a platform at a referendum which was held regarding, you know, the, the old, whether we should be a republic or not. I mean, I stood on a more radical platform uh, during that uh, referendum on a platform of we needed a new constitution for a, a new millennium. That's right. A new constitution for the 21st century. You can't expect a constitution which was debated and written up in the 1890s to reflect Australian society in the 21st century. So in 1999, I was one of the few people who put my hand up and said, this is crap. This is utter, total crap. The Australian Constitution is one of the weakest documents in human history. It is essentially a piece of paper which regulates the relationship between the central government and the six states which federated to form the Commonwealth of Australia on the 1st of January 1901. And to have seven people pontificate regarding the meaning of what was written in 1901 to somehow drag the Australian Constitution to the 21st century is ludicrous. 
And nothing is more ludicrous than this so-called citizenship debate. Totally ludicrous. You can be born in this country, but if one of your parents is born in another country, although they were, you know, may have been residents of that country when you were born in this country, you are ineligible to stand for Parliament. That's right. Unless you, you know, go to all the trouble of looking at your family background, then finding the right consul or embassy and doing the paperwork to renounce your citizenship, irrespective of whether you have dual nationality or not. I'm quite happy for people who've got dual nationality And I was against this concept of dual nationality, which was brought in about 25 years ago in order to promote corporate business interests. But if you've made no application for dual nationality because some foreign government believes you have a right to dual nationality because you were, although you were born in this country, it's just, it's ludicrous. It's a little bit like human rights. No mention of human rights in the Australian Constitution. No protections against the arbitrary exercise of state power against an individual in the Australian Constitution. And it goes on and on and on and on. A constitutional arrangement which was put in place in order to enshrine the white Australian policy in perpetuity highlights the inadequacy of the situation. And the situation has got worse. We now have a High Court that provides a literal interpretation of the Constitution. It's a little bit like a literal interpretation of the Bible, a literal interpretation you know, of the Koran. A literal interpretation of the Australian Constitution as if 120, 117 years of history non-existent. As I said before, and I said in 1999, it's time we had a new constitution in this country. And what a constitution is, is it regulates the relationship between the people and its representatives. It enshrines the rights of the citizen and the individual in that community. For us to rely on seven people to interpret something that was written, you know, 120, 125 years ago is ludicrous, totally ludicrous. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You know, some of my favourite people are those who somehow think that... uh, you know, all this climate change, climate emergency business is all some type of plot. Plot the United Nations has hatched to enslave the people of planet Earth. Hey, don't blame me for that. I hear it every day. It's extraordinary, really, but, you know, that's the opinion of some people. So I was very interested to hear and confirm that on planet Earth 
we currently have the highest rate of CO2, carbon dioxide emissions, or highest rates of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere the planet Earth has seen in the last 800,000 years. Okay, I'll repeat that again. And how do they know? Well, they do little core samples in the Antarctic and the Arctic and check at different periods in human history how much carbon dioxide there was. Simple. But obviously, you know, if you don't believe in science, well, it doesn't matter, does it? But getting back to that, so isn't it interesting? The highest rate of CO2 in the atmosphere for the last 800,000 years. And people in government, as well as obviously in the community, continue to think it's some type of plot. Some type of plot hatched by some nefarious cartels who want to enslave the world population. Yep, you hear it every day. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how can we make this simple? Now, when you're walking around planet Earth and you're out there and you leave your little room or whatever and you stop being a clicked activist and you're wandering around and you pop your head outside the window, you go, aha, there is a sky. That's right. Well, planet Earth, every life form on this planet, from the humblest microbe to evolution's greatest mistake, the human race, is dependent on the ratio of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Simple. And if you think planet Earth goes, you know, forever and ever, what sustains that life is this atmosphere enclosing planet Earth. That's what sustains life. It's not as if we uh, can push a button, go to Mars and destroy Mars or the moon. We are all apart from the few people on the space, you know, shuttle out there somewhere. We are all on this planet, each and every one of us. And obviously the more people you have on the planet, the more industrialisation you have, the more modern cons we create, the more artificial human needs we create, the greater the rate of CO2 emissions. It's simple. It's the Joe Toscano climate emergency syndrome. It's very simple. You get a nice dome at home, beautiful dome at home, nice glass dome. You put some water and plants down the bottom. You put two mice or three mice or four mice in there. Let them do what mice and human beings do and see what happens to the atmosphere over a period of time. And you'll notice, because it's a fixed dome, that things change. It's the same with us. 
And why is it so difficult? Because so many people to not believe that we are facing a climate emergency, irrespective of what's happening around the world in terms of climate changes. Well, it's simple. We live in an economy which is dominated by large transnational corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. It's very simple. It's all about making a buck. And if that means we're all going to choke at some point in time or fry, so be it. So be it. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary situation we find ourselves in because of the domination of economic activity by unaccountable corporations who've usurped the power of national governments. And if you don't believe me, get a little dome and get your little partner in there and see what happens after a few years. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Dot org dot au. Well, things are humming along, humming along. As I said, I would do a public interest before corporate interest report every week. And I'm pleased to announce that the uh, picnic at Alambi South went extraordinarily well. And I'd like to thank Simon for organising it. And hopefully the next few weeks, public interest before corporate interest, will have a uh, branch set up in Alambie, south in regional Victoria. It's about time. Those of you who are interested in attending uh, Pipsy meetings, the Frankston Hastings branch meets on the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday of the month from 6pm to 8pm at the Frankston North Community Centre at 26 Mahogany Avenue, Frankston North. Pipsy's Southern Peninsula Branch meets at the Sea Winds Community Hub, the Capel Sound Community Centre, 11A, Alambie Avenue, Capel Sound, 6pm to 8pm. And the next meetings will be on the 9th and 23rd of November. Hopefully the Lambie South branch will be up and running and there's a possibility that after the picnic in Melton there may be a Melton Pipsy branch forming hopefully by uh, early next year. So things are, go- are going well. And if uh, just to remind people that the AGM of Public Interest Before Corporate Interest will be held at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy at 5pm uh, Wednesday the 1st of November. Observers are welcome but it's basically the public interest before corporate interest, AGM. And we're hoping to have a large congress to formulate strategy for 2018 in um, early February 2018. So there are things happening as far as public interest before corporate interest is concerned. If you are interested in uh, becoming a member, you can download the application form from... Info at 
pibcpibci.net, info at pibcpibci.net. You want to form a branch in your part of the world, simple, ring us up, pick a public space, community hall, organise a time, date with us, and we'll support you in the in calling that meeting. I mean, it's the best way to start things off, see if there are interested people in your neck of the woods and uh, <clears throat> get things rolling. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you saw the Prime Minister and the opposition leader and some people, you know, kind of, kind of celebrating the charge of the light horse 100 years ago, Beersheba in Israel, former Palestine. And you're thinking to yourself, hmm, did you know you're paying for all this? Did you know that $150 million, not $1.5 million, but $150 million was allocated by the federal government to celebrate pivotal moments in the history of World War One, And then one cent was allocated to celebrating the real heroes of World War One. Every historical document will tell you that World War One was a dirty little trade war fought by workers at either end of the of a gun for the glory of God, king and country. And this and this country lost sixty two sixty two thousand young men were killed in the European killing fields. And another sixty thousand died within ten years of returning home. From a population of five million. The deaths that occurred had a profound impact on regional and urban Australia during the 1920s and 1930s. The death rate was so high that the male-female ratio was changed. Just extraordinary. These people basically died for nothing. And that's a horrible thing to say to their descendants, but they died for nothing. They didn't die for freedom, democracy, for God, king and country. What's even more extraordinary is such how little publicity is, has occurred surrounding the real heroes of World War One. And you know who the real heroes of World War One were? People like you and me. People who resisted conscription. People who forced the government of the day to hold plebiscites in 1916 and the 17th of December 1917 on the question of conscription. Because there was so much resistance to Australia's involvement in World War One, the government was forced to hold plebiscites to try to change people's minds and people didn't change their minds. And the first conscription in October 1916 was unsuccessful and more importantly after the thousands of people, over a million soldiers who died on the Western Front, 30,000 of them Australians, 
They still had another referendum on the 17th of December 1917. Another referendum to force people to go and die for the glory of God, King and Country. And the Australian people in their wisdom on the 17th of December 1917 defeated the second conscription referendum and saved another 60,000 young Australian men being sacrificed on the European killing fields. Well, we will mark that event. The Anarchist Institute marked that event in in October 1916 and we will mark that event on the 17th of December 2017. And I'd like just to keep your ears and eyes open. But we will mark that event because it's important to mark that event. It's important that it's not written out of the pages of the historical record of this country. Because the same hullabaloo and militarism and nationalism which saw so many people volunteer to fight this war in World War I, it's the same strategy that has been used in 2017 to get us used to the idea that we need to be involved in so many foreign campaigns around the world. Not to defend freedom or democracy, but defend the economic interests of world powers. Mostly, in our case, the United States of America. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, on the 1st of November, we'll be holding a gathering. You wouldn't call it a rally. A little gathering on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House in Spring Street in Melbourne to highlight the need for public housing because... I know you're not going to believe this, but the Victorian state Labor government is hell-bent, hell-bent of destroying what little there is left of the public housing sector in Victoria. The situation has got so dire that Conservative councils in Bayside, in that part of the world, in Port Phillip, a bit more radical than Bayside, are actually jumping up and down about the effect it'll have on their communities. Because let's not forget that housing affordability after the climate emergency we face is one of the most profound issues which faces people in this country as I speak. Over 35% of Australians rely on rental accommodation and most of them will never enter the property market. One in two homes which will be sold at auction this weekend, coming weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend will be snapped up by investors, both local investors and overseas investors because this country has investor-friendly laws which reward people with tax breaks for only more than one home. Extraordinary, isn't it? Just extraordinary. We have a decreasing number of people living in public housing, less than 3% in Victoria. Just extraordinary. 20 years ago, we are looking at about 10%, and 30, 40 years ago, it was more like 15%. So I'm very familiar with the Victorian situation. And this situation has occurred 
as a direct result of successive Victorian governments privatising public housing. You know, it's all part of this privatisation mania, which we'll talk about in a minute. Privatising public housing. Could you imagine that? Transferring the ownership of government-owned, government-managed, that's you and me, our taxes at work, resources to the private sector. Now, the Andrews-led Labor government is a leader, world leader in the privatisation of public housing. It has been pursuing an aggressive policy of privatising what's left of the public housing sector by entering into private-public partnerships to redevelop much-neglected public housing estates. It does this by transferring the management of public housing to privately-owned organisations and by offering financial support to privately-owned and run community and social housing groups while transferring public housing titles to the community and social housing sector. And it is one of the most evil campaigns that has been conducted, evil and dishonest campaigns, my apologies to the devil for trying to equate what the Andrews-led Labor government is trying to do to public housing to what happens in hell because it's worse, worse, because it's based on lies. They use terms like public, social, community, housing, as if they're interchangeable terms. Public housing is government-owned and government-managed. Social and community housing is owned by private organisations. They may be for-profit or not for-profit, but they are owned, owned and managed by private organisations. We see what's happened in the so-called welfare sector, where we have private or religious-based organisations dominating the field. But let's move on. Last financial year, that's right, the Victorian state government collected $6 billion, and I'll say that again, $6 billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, dollars in stamp duties. Now, if you've never had the honour of paying stamp duty, well, you pay stamp duty when you buy property, when you buy a house or a unit. So it's a direct tax. Now, I'm not complaining about stamp duty. I think it's a great idea. But this money has for decades been directed to consolidated revenue by successive Liberal National Labor state governments. Now, I'm not a genius. You're not a genius. If you were a genius, you wouldn't be listening to the anarchist will this week, would you? You'd be reading uh, Murdoch's garbage. And that's why we accept non-geniuses as listeners. And we try to shy away from geniuses. Now, you and I can solve the public housing crisis, the housing crisis, housing affordability crisis today. Now. Right now. If the 88 members of the Legislative Assembly in the Victorian Parliament and the 40 members of the Legislative Council in the Victorian Parliament passed legislation 
which directed at the $6 billion that is collected from stamp duty is quarantined for public housing. The government could buy between 20,000 and 25,000 units and homes around Victoria. It could spot purchase. It doesn't have to build them. It just buys them. So what does, does it, what does a strong public housing sector do? It puts downward pressure on rents. Because you've got a lot of people living in public housing paying 25% of their income to live in that public housing. People aren't going to need to rent, are they? So it doesn't matter how many reforms you make to the rental agreements. It doesn't really matter. Rents will fall, especially at the lower end of the market. And if the rents fall, investors sell. Because all they're interested in is the capital gains or making a buck out of it. So you decrease housing prices at the lower end of the market. So it allows first-home buyers to get back into the marketplace. It loosens the current stranglehold investors have on residential property. And most importantly at all, it improves community and personal security especially for those people using public housing, especially if it's spot purchased across the state, because it means their children and they can continue to use the same facilities and resources that are around them and and, and build friendships without the fear of being evicted if they're in private rental. It's a win-win-win-win-win-win situation. You don't have to be a genius to raise this as an issue. You don't even have to be stupid to raise it as an issue. All you've got to do is use your brain a bit. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to my personal Facebook page. No, you won't find out what colour underpants I'm wearing, but you will find out the activities I'm involved in. You can go to the website, very, I mean, the Facebook page, Toscana, the number for the public. Toscana for the public. Simple. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the PIBC website, P, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, at pibci.net. And the list goes on and on and on and on. So don't tell me, don't tell me there's nothing going on. There's lots of things going on. And if you don't want to do anything and just want to sit down and have a meal, you can join me at every Wednesday evening, 6pm to 10pm, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, at the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant. Simple. It's been going for four months now. Buy your own food and drinks. Conversation. Meet like-minded people. Who knows? You may even, you may even get involved in something. An evening of satire, irony and humour. You don't even have to be funny. All you've got to do is repeat the news. <laughs> All you've got to do is repeat the news. Okay? 
Conj Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, every Wednesday night, 6pm to 10pm. Don't get there too late. We'll be gone. You know, doesn't matter if you get there at 6, 7 or 8. If you get after 9, well, who knows? If it's a quiet evening, we'll be gone. So join us at the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant. It's a way of getting listeners to come together to get involved in activities, to meet like-minded people. Because sometimes you think you're the only person in the known universe, apart from yours truly, that thinks in this in a particular fashion. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, there's a lot of people out there. And I'll tell you something interesting. Currently, I'm involved in the... Uh, I'm standing in the Northcote by-election. And Northcote is a suburb uh, northeast. I'll get it right finally. Northeast. I've been there for a while now over the last few weeks. And it takes in a number of uh, pretty old Melbourne suburbs, Alfington, Fairfield, Formbury, Northcote and South Prestons. It's quite interesting, uh, suburb. I'm, just, I'm involved in the by-election, which can be quite tedious sometimes. But, I, but I'm involved in the by-election on two platforms, defending and extending public housing and putting public interest before corporate interest. That's putting the interests of the many before the few. Simple concepts. And it's a pretty brutal little campaign. Quite fascinating, quite interesting. And obviously we are trying our best to raise issues. Now, you know and I know I'm not going to be elected. You know that and I know that. The Australian people aren't ready for independent radical community activists. They're not ready for that. But this is a great opportunity to get ideas across. And I don't normally sit back and say, tut, tut, we should do it this way. We should wait for, you know, the the magic moment, the the revolutionary orgasm. What a load of bullshit, you know. What a load of bullshit. It's the foreplay that gets you the revolutionary orgasm. So we're involved in the foreplay here. So I need your help. Brutally simple. I am not asking for money. I have knocked back a number of donations for the campaign. I feel so strongly about the public housing issue and the public interest concept that I'm funding my own election campaign. And obviously I'll be out of pocket a few thousand dollars, but it'll be worth the effort. And what it means is I owe no one any favours. I don't owe any favours to anyone. No one whatsoever. And if you want to know more about the, t- the Toscano for Northcote campaign, go to the website, Toscano for the Public, or go to the uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, have a look at that, see what's going on. See what's going on. You know, it's always interesting to find out what's going on. So how can you help? Well, it's very simple. There are a number of ways you can help. From 8.30am to 9.30am, Monday to Friday. Like a stunned mullet, I'm standing outside 116 Station Street in Fairfield in Melbourne, which is about 100 metres from the Fairfield radio station. Not railway station, get it right, Joe, get it right. And if you want to hang around for the rest of the day and hand out how-to-vote material, but it's not how-to-vote material, it's basically material about how to solve the the housing crisis in this country. Come along. Come along. You are more than welcome to come along. 
come along. Because the key to putting an end to the current housing nightmare is by supporting policies that build, not destroy the public housing sector. So from now till the 17th of November, including the 11th of November, which is Saturday, I'll be out there, 8.30 to 9.30am, waiting for people to turn up, to take over, hand out material. Now, if you find this boring, you've got a weight problem like I have, and you'd like to letterbox parts of the electorate, well, come along, come along at the same time, come along at the same time, and, uh, you know, come along, get some material, we'll show on our little map where to go, and bingo, you can get a bit of exercise, get some political ideas across. Why not? Why not? And most importantly of all, on Election Day, which is Saturday the 18th of November, if by some chance you're not going to a barbecue, a community event, and you're lost and fall long, and you'd like to assist me in this campaign by handing out material at polling booths, and this material will be registered by the Victorian Electoral Commission because, do you know what? You can't hand out material outside a polling booth in a Victorian state election which has not been registered by the Victorian Electoral Commission. And I'm in the process of having my material registered and should be registered in the next few days. But if you want to help on the 18th, there are 14 polling booths we need to cover. It'd be nice to have three people at each polling booth. It is a long day, 8am to 6pm. You may be able to do some of, the, some of it the day, full day. Come along, interact with people, get involved, get some ideas across. So if you want to get involved in the campaign, you've got four options. You can leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can turn up between 8.30am and 9.30am at the pre-polling booth at 116 Station Street in Fairfield. And I'll be there for that hour to make contact with people. If you want to get involved that day, you can stay there, hand out material. You want a letterbox, come along in the morning, Pick up, the, pick up the material. You want to get involved on the 18th of November and it is an important day and we do need a lot of people and I need to get the literature across to you before polling day and you do need to start around 8am. Uh, if you can't start at 8am, maybe you can do an afternoon shift. You can either email me at pipsyinfo, info, I-N-F-O, at pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. You can even write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. So it's up to you. It's up to you. But there's no point complaining if you don't get involved. And I'm not saying I'm getting involved in this particular issue, but any issue. There is no point complaining because we are the people we've been waiting for. You know that? We are the people we've been waiting for. That's right. We are the people we've been waiting for. Not them. We. And if we want change, we need to organise that change. If you're interested in that concept of housing affordability, because public housing is everybody's you know, business, because the greater the degree of public housing, the more you know, things we have that we can uh, 
the more pressure we can put on the private housing sector to decrease rents and decrease entry-level housing prices, well, you need to get involved. If you're not interested, fine. If you want to sit around and complain all day, that's fine. You know, if you want to be a click activist, that's fine. Maybe you could join the Charge of the Light Brigade. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, don't just think we're just, you know, election orientated. We do a lot of things. A lot of things. And on Sunday, the 12th of November, that's right, Sunday, the 12th of November, I will be at the Murchison Cemetery, and that's in regional Victoria, about 130, 140 kilometres from Melbourne. And many other activists will be at the Murchison Cemetery and many other relatives of prisoners of war and internees who died in Australian camps during the Second World War will be there to remember their dead. And we go there to remember Francesco Fantine who was murdered at Camp Love Day in 1942. And this is the 75th anniversary of his death. And we will be there with lots of different people to honour lots of different different people who are buried in the common crypt. 220,000 men women, and women in, all in the individual casket in this crypt at the Murchison Cemetery and Italian war graves. And there will be a Catholic Mass and there will be people parading in, you know, uniforms and there will be flags and we will be there. At the end of all the kerfuffle, we are held our own. We honour Francesco Fantine. So who was Francesco Fantine? And why, after 75 years, after 75 years that he was murdered, did we make the pilgrimage to the Murchison Cemetery every year? Now, Francesco Fantine migrated to Australia in 19, 1924. He was a young anarchist who fled Italy two years after Mussolini's fascist seized power in 1922. Fearing for his life... He, like a number of other Italian radicals, fled to Australia. And unlike most immigrants who want to forget the past, he threw himself into anti-fascist activity in Australia and with the aid of Francesco Camagiola and Valentino Chicotti, they opened the Mautiotti Club in the Horticultural Hall in Victoria Parade in Melbourne in March 1927, across the roads from the Victorian Melbourne Trades Hall, to act as an anti-fascist centre. Now, who was Mattiotti? He was a parliamentarian killed by Mussolini's fascists. When the club closed as a consequence of the Depression, Francesco Fantine moved to North Queensland, working on farms and sawmills as a labourer. He continued to identify as an anarchist and with the help of other Italian anarchists, he attempted, an anti-fascist, he attempted to open Australians' eyes to the dangers of the rising tide of hatred and intolerance which was occurring in Europe in the late 1920s and 1930s. And they tried to make life difficult for fascist officials in this country who are attempting to recruit Italian 
migrants into their ranks. Now, the outbreak of World War II resulted in the internment of Italian fascist sympathisers and Nazi sympathisers in Australia. But tragically, you know the old adage, every Italian looks alike. The old rightist adage, they all look alike. That what the government did of the day is it interned people who'd been fighting for years, fascists and anti-fascists, in the same internment camps, surrounded by the same barbed wire. And obviously, there are many more fascists than anti-fascists in Australia. Now, Francesco Fantine, who was in his mid-40s by then, was arrested outside Cairns on the 28th of February 1942. Over 350 Italian fascists were interned with about 60 anti-fascists in the same prison at Camp Loveday in South Australia. On the 16th of November 1942, while stooping down to get a drink from a tap, Fantine was beaten to the ground by a man wielding a 4B2. When he fell to the ground, the beating continued. He died several hours later as a result of that beating. A fascist, Giovanni Casotti, was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to two years jail. In the mid-1960s, Francesco Fantine's body was disinterned from the grave outside Camp Loveday in South Australia and with the bodies of other Italians, both men and women, who had died in internment camps in Australia, was brought across to the Murchison Cemetery by the Italian community. So in death, as they were in the internment camp, they're all together. Conscript, Italian conscripts, Italian fascists, Italian anti-fascists, and poor old Francesco Fantine, the only anarchist amongst them. Francesco had no children, His two brothers are long gone. He has no living relatives we know of. So every year, on the first Sunday after Armistice Day, we make our way to the Murchison Cemetery to pay our respects. We try to get there early to go into the crypt to see his coffin his last resting place. And then once the official ceremonies are over, we hold our own ceremony about midday. So if you want to get into the crypt early, you need to be there between 9.30 and 10.30am. You get there later, it's impossible to get in there. So if you want further information, go to this special website, Q, small Q, 7461 F-A-N-T. T-I-N dot org, O-R-G. Small Q, 7461, Fantine, F-A-N-T-I-N dot org. You don't have to ring. After the ceremony, we go down to the riverbank and have a picnic. So if you're coming along, bring some food and drinks with you. It's a long day. takes a few hours to get there in the morning. Um, You're all welcome. Come along. Mark the 75th anniversary of the murder of Francesco Fantine. 
join us on Sunday the 12th of November. And that website again, Q7461, Fantine, F-A-N-T-I-N dot org. Okay, now don't forget, 3rd of December. Yeah, look, on the 11th of December in the afternoon, I'll be in Ballarat. There's a special commemoration for the formation of the Ballarat Reform League on the 11th of November, 1854, and I'll be speaking. So that's uh, next Saturday, so I'll tell you more about that, uh, you know, uh, next week, which you're all welcome to, too. And uh, so that's so there are things happening. Now, on the 3rd of December, the Annex Institute, once again, will be holding the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which we have been holding since 2002. It is one of the major events, if not the major event, on the day in Ballarat uh, to honour the Eureka Rebellion. The program lasts from 4am to 10pm. It includes a dinner uh, at the uh, Queenshead Hotel in Humphrey Street in Ballarat at 7pm. You just pay for your own food and drinks. There'll be entertainment from the West Parkman community and the bard who'll be doing his song, The Pikeman's Dog. So we invite you. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday this year. It's not like it's a Monday or a Tuesday. It's, some people find difficulty. It's a Sunday. Give up church for the day and turn up. We'll have material up on the website in the next two to three days. You can look at You can download. We can always send you a poster if you can't... Um, download it but we encourage everyone across the country to come along to the uh, reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations very important celebrations because once again it's the radicals who remember the significance of the Eureka Rebellion the significance of the rebellion is encapsulated in the Eureka Oath we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So come and celebrate the day. You don't celebrate the day. Their sacrifice is forgotten. And the reason we established the reclaim, the radical, my late wife Ellen Jose and myself established the reclaim, the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in 2002 is because we went up in 2001 to take part. And there was nothing. We were told, oh, something happens on the first Saturday or Sunday after. But there was nothing on the 3rd of December. And we thought, this is disgusting. It shouldn't be like this. So join us. Start at 4am. You don't have to walk the 13 kilometres. You know, there's a lot of things happening. We start at 4am, morning ceremony, goes to 6am, then a communal breakfast. Then at 9am we walk to Bakery Hill where we present this year's Eureka Australia Day medals. Nominations close in a few days, so get those nominations in. Then we walk to the town hall for a stump oration, to the old Ballarat Cemetery to pay our respects, then to the Ballarat Trades Hall for a bit of a rest and drinks. Then back to the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka, to, at Eureka, not Eureka, to look at the uh, Eureka flag and discuss the Eureka flag. And then the dinner that night. Great day. You don't have to ring anybody. If you want a seat guaranteed at the dinner, 
you need to make a booking. It doesn't cost you anything to make a booking, obviously, but if you want a seat reserved, there's only about 80 seats, and sometimes we get more people than we have seats, and obviously younger people stand up. You can make a booking by ringing us on 0439 395489. Leave a message. Or you can make a booking by writing to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or, or you can, uh, you know, you can uh, make a uh, a booking by going to the AMI website. Just go to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org, make a booking, or anarchistage at yahoo.com. So the website is anarchistage at yahoo.com. So uh, now's the time. 3rd of December's only, what, six weeks away? It's just around the corner, six weeks away. Oh, no, five weeks away. I lie. It's just around the corner. So let's get, let's get organised for uh, this year's Reclaim, the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations hosted by the Anarchist Media Institute. Great day. It's a Sunday, 3rd of December. Do something significant in your life. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to help me with the campaign or just have dinner tonight, turn up at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, 6pm to 9pm. Don't forget the AGM at 21 Smith Street uh, in Fitzroy for public interest before corporate interest, 5pm to 6pm. Don't forget the rally today, the 1st of November, Defend and extend public housing on the steps of uh, Victorian Parliament House. Uh, don't forget the 3rd of December, the 12th of November, the 11th of November. The list goes on and on and on. And if you want to help me with the electoral campaign in Northcote, turn up 8.30am to 9.30am, Monday to Friday, 116 Station Street in Fairfield. You can stay there for half a day, a day, hand out material at the pre-polling booth, you can do letterboxing in the electorate. And don't forget that I do need about 30 to 35 people on the 18th of November. You can express your interest at info at pibci.net. You can leave a message on 0439 395 or you can go to my Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, Toscano for the Public, or even write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.